Good to see. You know, it says in Scripture, you're surrounded by a great crowd of witnesses. That's what I feel like this morning. Great crowd. Good, lovely smiling face. I've got my beautiful wife there staring at me there. My lovely sister and brother-in-law, Bill, uh, here as well. Uh, lovely staff team down here, and my buds over here. So I feel like I'm surrounded. But there are some particularly special people here today. So over to my right, where are they hiding? We should welcome back Liberty and George, who've been... George has been away, away for a bit, but they've, Liberty's been further away, and she's come back today, so that's lovely. And, oh, they've disappeared. That's ruined it, isn't it? They heard who I was preaching. Well, the deacons are here as well. So Sam and Katie and their family are here uh, next to Pete. Come and say hello to them. Those who are new with Coastline, uh, both Sam and Katie were on staff here for a while and moved away. So it would be lovely to welcome them back when they, uh, when they appear again a little bit later. All right, it's good. So we're talking through uh, the next part of Galatians. If you're new with us, um, perhaps you, I don't know if you've been around the last few weeks, months actually. I think we started this just after Easter, this series. We've worked our way through the book of Galatians. And as Sarah says, we've got to uh, chapter 5. And we've called it a series, It's All About Grace. Uh, I guess that's kind of what we think the book of Galatians is about. It's a message of grace about the fact it's all about what he has done rather than what we have done. But uh, if you remember, we started just after Easter, uh, came through, and then we took a little break because John introduced an important subject around building for the future. Again, if you're new with us, come and visit the uh, guys in the corner a little bit later. Um, but it was an important subject to cover for the sort of four weeks. We've taken a break from Galatians. John was able to unpack where uh, we believe the Lord is leading us as a community of God's people in Bournemouth. And again, if you've not had a chance to listen to any of that stuff, go on to our YouTube channel, hashtag Coastline Vineyard, and you catch up on that. Um, but say so we were talking about grace, and then these last few weeks, we're going to finish this series off, and Sarah and I were talking the other day, uh, Sarah preached last week, and it's kind of now, it's all about freedom too, because much as we say the book of Galatians is about grace, which it is, um, it also mentions the word free and freedom quite a lot, particularly in chapter 5 that we're looking at this morning. In fact, it's going to be the dominant theme of what I want to talk about this morning, what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart. So let's have a look then at Galatians chapter 5. And if you're, again, new to church, new to faith, you don't have a Bible, have a look in the seats in front of you. Uh, You might find there's a spare Bible. We encourage our church family to leave spare Bibles here. So that might be for you if you have not got one this morning or come up on the screen. So we're just going to read the first half of Galatians chapter 5. And I'm reading from the NIV text. And it's called in my um, text, a little title at the top, Freedom in Christ. It is for freedom, Paul says, that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ, and you've fallen away from grace. Pretty strong words. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness 
for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. He seems to quote a proverb here. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. I won't enlarge on that. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. And this is the word of the Lord. We thank him for it. We thank that it speaks truth into our lives. So every now and then, we come across a passage in Scripture, a verse in Scripture that is so fundamentally and universally true, we should highlight it, underline it, memorize it, journal it, whatever you do to get it deep within your soul. And often these um, kind of phrases or verses are they're true, obviously, in the context they're written, but they're also true in many other contexts as well. And as we've come into uh, Galatians 5, we've got one such verse, that verse right at the very beginning. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. In fact, I don't even need to mention the second part. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I want to spend most of our time unpacking what that means. To be really free. What does that really mean? And I want us to use a technique that maybe some of you use already, some of you may know, but for others this might be a new way of looking at Scripture. A very simple technique where you ask of the text three straightforward questions. And those questions are this. What does it say... What does it mean, particularly in the context in which it was written? And then importantly, what does it then mean for us today? So that's what we're going to do. We're just going to look at that little verse in uh, Galatians 5, verse, verse 1, and ask those three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? And what does it mean for us today? You okay for that? Up for that? Good. Still awake. That's great. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. Now, I warn you. I'm going to get a bit geeky this morning, okay? So just bear with me on this, because you might think, oh, my brain's going to hurt halfway through this. Because uh, as I've said before, the Bible's not written in English, it's written in Greek. And sometimes in the translations, we lose some of the subtlety of the language a bit. In fact, even in English, it's first reading is a bit clunky, isn't it? I don't know, maybe that's me. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Well, surely, Paul... Freedom and free are the same thing. You know, if you're free, you've got freedom. If you're freedom, you're free. You know, why mention it twice, Paul? You know, it kind of just seems a bit awkward. But it's not like that in the original language. So let's have a look at the original language if we can. 
And again, hopefully you've heard me say this before, and I will say it again many times. The Bible's not complicated, okay? It's not impossible to understand. You don't need a theology degree to understand it, but it is complex, as in it's detailed. It needs a bit of holy perseverance. It needs a bit of digging sometimes to get to what the Holy Spirit is saying. So we're going to look sort of the meaning behind some of these words and see where the Holy Spirit leads us this morning. So say, forgive me, I'm going to get a little geeky. So the first part of my geekiness is it was a way in writing in ancient Greek that the most important thing that you're about to say is the first thing you say, the first word you say. And you see sort of Paul's coming into this sort of little discourse in his letter. Now, I should say this, the book of Galatians, not really a book at all as such, it's just a letter. It's a letter that Paul wrote to a bunch of churches in a Roman province called Galatia. And uh, it's sort of, if you look on the map now, it's sort of like the middle of uh, modern day Turkey. Some of you may have been, been on there on holiday, you never know. Um, and uh, this is a church in trouble, big trouble. So in one sense, Paul is writing to try and correct a bunch of issues that have crept into the churches. And the bit he's getting into now is this bit about freedom. In fact, it's the first thing that he says at the beginning of chapter 5. If we were to go back to the Greek and translate it literally in line, word for word, as the Greek readers would have read it, it would say this, bear, bear with me, the freedom us Christ has set free. Make of that what you will. See why it's hard to get a job as a Greek translator, right? So you can see why the English kind of mucks around with it a bit. But it's the freedom is the first thing he says. It's all about freedom that Christ has set us free. That's kind of what he's saying. And the word freedom there isn't what we think it is, which is, well, if you're free, nobody tells you what to do. You can do as you like. You can hang out and do you know, whatever you want. There are no rules. That's freedom. That's not the freedom that he's talking about here. He's talking about it, the kind of the picture behind the words is almost a physical place, a place of freedom, a place where people are free. In one sense, being taken out of captivity and taken to a place of freedom, a place where people are genuinely able to live freely. That's the kind of language behind the noun that Paul uses, that, the freedom. So that's the important thing. But he also mentions the word free. He said, you're called to be free in the NIV text. The the freedom us Christ has set free, it says in the original Greek. And this word free is a verb now. It's an action. It's the act of making people free. And in our English Bibles, we've got the word free. Some translators actually have used the word liberate which is probably a better translation in one sense because it gets away from that clunkiness of free and freedom. But the the word there is an action of deliverance. And when you put the whole thing together, what Paul is saying is there was an action that was taken for you in your new state in Christ that was a bit like a military campaign. A raiding party came in and liberated you, set you free from the bondage you were under, liberated you from that repressive slavery place and delivered you to a place of freedom where you can live truly free. 
It's, it's the, the message here is of, of territorial gain in a, in a warfare of some kind and a deliverance of a captive people into a new state of freedom, a new place of freedom. All right. You might be saying, well, hang on, my brain's starting to hurt now, so let's, let's move out of the Greek a little bit. But you kind of get what Paul's saying a little bit clearer now. And he kind of says to these Galatian believers, where you are now in this new faith that you're in, and we'll tackle that in a few moments, that's not where you're supposed to be. That's not the place you were called to live. That's not where God intended you to dwell. That's not a place of freedom. You're now in a place of captivity. Christ has set you free. You've been taken to a place where you can live freely. So why weren't they there then? Why, were they, why did Paul say they weren't in that place? What have we missed? Well, if you, maybe you've not been around the last few weeks, or maybe just first time here, um, if you look back in the previous chapters of Galatians, you'll see what's gone on. So this is a church in trouble. This is a church that started off well in their new faith in Jesus Christ, But a whole bunch of people have come into the church to kind of corrupt their thinking and their freedom and introduce a whole bunch of new things that were, in one sense, contrary to the message of hope that Paul had been preaching. In fact, um, a lot of people said when Paul writes this letter, he's properly miffed, (laughs) properly angry, you know, uh, because he's furious, really. This is kind of this corruption has got into the church. In fact, I read a great commentary this week that said, you can tell he's proper cross, because in all his other nice little letters, Paul says, I thank God for you, mentioning you in my prayers. Doesn't mention that in Galatians. <laughs> he doesn't even say any of that. In fact, he finishes off the, and again, at the, um, at the end of it, he sometimes says nice things like, and give my regards to, you know, some fancy name, and uh, I send you my greetings. And I think in the end of Galatians, he just says, let no one cause me trouble, or something like that. It's, it's kind of like, uh, I think it's how he finishes off the letter. So he's proper cross, right? Okay. And he uses quite stark language, doesn't he? He said, you know, what's happened to you? Who's bewitched you? Who's misled you? And Paul, I think, was properly angry here because he saw this corruption coming into the hearts and lives of these young believers. These bunch of uh, what was called Judaizers who came and said, you're not properly saved if you don't do this, this and this. And he saw it being an issue that was going to corrupt and eventually destroy the church. I'm sure it's what he thought. Um, there's a nice little thing. If you flick over to Acts 15, which will come up on the screen, uh, just to sort of get a bit more uh, insight into what's been going on here, it's the same story that Paul had come across in a number of places where he'd done his ministry. In fact, this is the story um, from Antioch. And I'll just read you a little bit to give you a context because it'll give you an idea of what's been going on in Galatia. Um, so we we'll won't read the whole thing because it's quite long, but let's, we'll just dive in and out for one or two verses there. Um, and basically it says in Acts 15, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and they were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. That's how bad it was, right? Uh, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. I mean... You can imagine that being the case. Uh, and it says that basically they had this sort of uh, discussion about it, and then Paul and a bunch of others went up to Jerusalem to basically have it out 
with the, um, the, the leaders of the church, so the apostles, Peter, James, John, others like that, and say, look, this is what's happening in all these places in uh, sort of the then known world. What, what do you think? Are we, we doing the right stuff? Let's check in with you and make sure uh, we're doing the right thing. And basically, Peter comes back at the end. I don't know how much we've got of the, the verses here, but Peter comes back at the end of sort of um, that little bit in Acts 15, and he says this. He says, because um, other sort of people have tried to stir up the, the noise a bit. And he says this, Now then, why do you try and test God by putting on the neck of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we as Jews nor our ancestors, ancestors, ancestors can we say it, have been able to bear? No, we believe it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. There we go, it's up on the screen. Basically, Peter says, you know, why are you trying to put something on these young Gentile believers, something that's a yoke, that's a burden, that, that we and generations before us, the Jews, have found impossible to bear, to be under the burden and the yoke of the law, when we've now realized through the revelation and fulfillment of the law in Christ and the resurrection of his life, that we've realized we've been saved by grace God's riches at Christ's expense through the, the free gift of Jesus Christ. That's how we've been saved, just as they were. And Paul says, I'm astonished, in Galatians, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who calls you. So astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who's called you. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you, says Paul. So let's get to that second question. Why is this important? What does it mean? What does it mean? It means that these uh, young Galatian Christians were now put upon by this yoke to have to follow all of the traditions and teaching of the old Jewish law. This in fact, Paul even uses the word yoke, doesn't he? Uh, this yoke of slavery. You know, you're for freedom, you're free. Why this yoke has now got to be put upon you again? And it's the same kind of words that Peter uses, you know, saying, look, you, 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 you Judaism is trying to put on these guys a yoke that, that none of us were able to bear. And Paul says, you know, you're not living truly free. That's not the place that you were called to live in. This is not the place that Christ has, des has defined you to live in. You're not to live under the yoke of slavery. You are lit to live freely. It's not about what you're going to do, but it's about what he has done. It's not about the law. It's about the son. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. It's not about what you've done. It's about what he has done. It's all about grace. It is for freedom, a place of complete liberty from the law, that Christ has set you free. Don't, don't be caught again under a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom you've been set free. And Paul goes on to say in Galatians 5, Mark my words. You want to go ahead with this? Fine. If that's what you want to do, says Paul, you go ahead. But mark my words. I, Paul, tell you, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value 
of to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised, he's obligated to obey the whole law. You were trying to be justified by the law, have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen from grace. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? You've been alienated from Christ. You've been fallen from grace. In other words, if you want to run this thing on your own, go ahead. Go ahead. You think this is about works, you go ahead. But do it all. You're all in now. You've got to follow every part of the law. If you want to follow every part of the law, then the grace of Jesus Christ means nothing. You've fallen out of the grace. Why are you trying to undo the work that Christ has done for you? It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. That's what you've been called to be, free. Christ has set you free. It's all about grace. And as I come into land this morning, I want us, want us to uh, just focus. What does that mean to us? Yes, it means something in the context. But what does it mean for us now? Those precious words of life. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer do we live and are burdened by a yoke of slavery. So how free do we feel this morning? How free do you feel this morning? It's for freedom. Christ has set you free. In fact, Paul goes on to use a lovely little phrase right at the end of that passage we read in Galatians 5, verse 13 there. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Can I say that over you this morning? I will say it over you this morning. You, my brothers and sisters, you, my brothers and sisters, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Completely free. Free from sin. Free from death. Free from obeying the law and trying to please God by doing stuff. How often we think, oh, you know, if I read my Bible a little more, if I come to church a little more, God might like me a bit more. He might get on with me better if I'm slightly more good than I am now. What complete tosh. In fact, I said, I've said I would say this, so I will say this. I said, I'm going to do a dangerous thing. I'm going to say, Lance was probably right after all, which is always a dangerous thing to say, right? Okay. <laughs> when he says, uh, you are, I forgot what he said now, uh, <laughs> you are completely right now in right standing with God. There's nothing that can be done to improve your status. You can read Bible cover to cover 10 times a year for all I care. It ain't going to make any difference, right? God is still going to love you just as much as he does today. You can come to church every day of the week if you want to, if the doors are open. But it isn't going to make the message of salvation any more complete in you. It might do do you the world of good, but it isn't going to improve your status. You are free. My brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. And maybe, maybe we need to get hold of the truth of that. Am I still on? 
suddenly, suddenly disappeared there. We need to get hold of the truth of that and live in the truth of that. You know what I said about that verse? There's sometimes we come across the verse that is so fundamentally and universally true. We need to know it. We need to love it. We need to live it out. We need to underline it, memorize it, apply it to every possible area of our lives. Because it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And maybe this morning you're sitting there and you, yeah, you're not a follower of Jesus yet. This isn't just a message for the church. This is a message for you too. Christ has set you free. Free from guilt. Free from shame. Free from sin. Free from death. Christ has set you free. There's a calling of freedom that Christ is crying over you this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus this morning, there is a call over your life. I am calling you to be free. It's freedom that I'm going to deliver to you. Completely different place you're now going to live in when you follow and fall in love with me. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free in John 8. If the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free.